Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you were so broken by the life you'd been living that you were physically and emotionally ill? You, you, you'd, been, you'd, been, you'd been cheating on your taxes or, or, or cheating on your spouse or cheating at work and you were just racked with guilt and shame. You ever been there? It is not a great place to be. Uh, there was a man who'd been cheating on his taxes for years and years and just finally couldn't, couldn't live with himself a minute longer. So he sent a check to the government for back taxes with a note attached that said this. I felt so guilty for cheating on my taxes. I had to send you this check. If I don't feel any better, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> don't do that, please. So what do we generally do when we have a chronic failing in our lives? Well, the first thing we generally do is we try to hide our sin. We try to hide our sin. That, that, that move right there is as old as humankind itself. Genesis 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, last week I was, I was watching a, a special on Watergate, and if you don't know what Watergate is, don't even ask your parents, ask your grandparents, they, they know better. In 1973, there were any number of lies that were being told by those surrounding the president to hide the truth. And you know, it was all working pretty well until a White House aide told the Senate Watergate Committee that there were audio tapes of phone calls and meetings in the Oval Office. And when the committee heard those tapes, church was out. Next thing you know, President Nixon getting on the helicopter, flying into the sunset. We try to hide our sin. And if that doesn't work, we try the second thing. We play the blame game. We blame somebody or we blame something else for our sins so that we can justify or rationalize our sins. So we go back to Adam and Eve, Genesis 3.11, and, and God said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I, I, I talked about this last weekend at the stirring because see, sometimes we are broken and sinful people because of the brokenness and sinfulness of other people. Sometimes, sometimes people heap evil on us. And when they heap evil on us, we keep it. And, and it's not really our fault. 
I, you, if you trace the tragic lives of some of the young boys who were abused by clergy, you so often find their lives just run off in the ditch and they, and they have so little to do with it. Let me say this though, the sins of someone else and the sins of our parents cannot be our lifelong excuse for destructive behavior, our free pass to insanity. But those sins can be the origin. It can be the origin of our problems. And sometimes the pain can be unbearable. You, you remember the story of David and Bathsheba? The, the short version of the story is that King David couldn't sleep one night. And when he goes up on the roof to clear his head, he sees this beautiful married woman who's bathing below him and he gets one of his men to bring Bathsheba up to him. And he makes her sleep with him. He's the king after all and he's powerful. When he finds out she's pregnant, he ends up sending her husband to the front line of battle so that he can be killed, and, and he is. And David then marries Bathsheba, and at some point, what he had done begins to eat at him. Psalm 32 is from that period. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He used the same kind of language in Psalm 38, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. I am bent over and racked with pain all day long. I walk around filled with grief. A, a raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I, I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. I'm on the verge of collapse facing constant pain. And, and, and if we live like this for an extended period of time, we get stuck in a rut. Now, now I'm gonna give you a little, little useless info to, today, but try to hang in with me on this one. It gets someplace. The US standard rail, railroad gauge, that's the distance between the rails, is four feet, eight and a half inches. It's a weird number. Why, why such a weird number? Because that's the way they built them in England. And, and people who, who used to live in England built the American railroads. Okay, so you might ask, well, why, why, why did the English use that particular gauge? Well, because prior to the railroads, the people who, who built the tramways for were wagons in England used the same gauge, four feet, eight and a half inches. Why were wagons to that scale? Well. Because with any other size, the wheels didn't match the ancient wheel ruts that were already on the roads. Okay, so who first built these old rutted roads? The first long distance highways in Europe were built by the Romans for the benefit of their army. Roman war chariots first made the ruts. Four feet, eight and a half inches. That's the width a chariot needed to be able to accommodate the two rear ends of war horses. It was over 2,000 years ago when ruts were formed based on the rear end of two horses. 
those same ruts dictate the width of a railroad track in America today. 2,000 years of the same rut. People will live their entire lives in the same ruts. The same ruts unless they change. Now it's easy to get in a rut, but life is hard when you choose to live in that rut. And it can be very hard to get out of it. So what can I do? How can I move from this, this chronic life of sin to a life that fulfills me and honors God? Basically, what's the difference between a Christian with a thriving and growing relationship with God and a Christian who is paralyzed by the guilt of his or her life choices? One word, repentance. Repentance, seeing your sin for what it is, confessing it, and pursuing a change of heart. Now, I generally don't go to Wikipedia for my sermon definitions, but I found this definition very interesting. It is the Wikipedia definition for biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is the act of leaving what God has prohibited and returning to what he has commanded. That's pretty good, Wikipedia. I'm proud of you. Okay, so finally, here's our psalm for the day, Psalm 51. But, 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 the context again is David after his sin with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan had confronted David regarding his sin, by the way. And, and, and the way he did it was super cold, super cold. In fact, I want you to see this. Check this out. This is 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, uh, Nathan said, uh, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a, a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It, it shared his food, it drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It, it was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David lost it. He burned with anger against the man. He said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Now, is that not the coldest thing you ever seen? <laughs> Let me tell you this long story. By the way, you are the punchline, loser. <laughs> he, said, he said to David, basically, you had everything in the world that you'd ever want, and yet you took the precious wife of a man who had so little, that convicted David. And so our psalm for today, Psalm 51, is a result of that conviction. David is broken, and it's the best kind of broken. It is a broken that leads to repair. Here's what we see in that psalm. First of all, David pleads for mercy because of God's compassion. 
In verse one it says, have, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. You see, David knew the character of God. So do we. We leverage God's unfailing love and great compassion. And we plead for his mercy. Now that may seem a little easy, right? It's like me saying, I'm a clown because I know my wife and kids will forgive me. They're just so good. But see, there's more. Because see, the second thing he does is he acknowledges his sin. He says very clearly in verse three, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. That's a very fascinating verse. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Now see, that's huge. To look God in the face and say, I see what you are seeing in me. I see it. I've sinned and ultimately my sins are against you. Purify me from my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. You know, anybody who's in recovery <clears throat> will tell you that the beginning of sobriety is honesty. Like that. As a matter of fact, here are the exact words from AA. We admitted that we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. To get to that point is the beginning of sobriety. David pleads for mercy, he acknowledges his own sin, and then he prays for a new heart. Now this to me is the hope that is there for us. David prays these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, rebels like I have been. And they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Create in me a new heart. See, sometimes we need a new heart. I didn't say some of us need a new heart. I said, sometimes we need a new heart. Sometimes we all need a new heart. If you've been listening to this sermon and punching the person next to me saying, you need to listen. Let me tell you this, that person needs to punch you back and say, you need to listen too. Sometimes we all need a new heart. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had significant work done at your home, like a new kitchen or a, a new bathroom? How, how does it always start? It starts with demo. 
It starts with demolition, and there you stand in that mess, and you try to imagine what a new kitchen might look like. Sometimes we need to stand in the middle of the demolition of our lives. The rubble of our sin, as well as our confession and repentance, and begin to dream about what a new heart might look like if we allowed God to create it. Friends, there's only one way to find out. That is to walk the Psalm 51 road of repentance. Plead for mercy. Acknowledge honestly the sin. And pray for a new heart. And then, then David closes the psalm like this. David states the bottom line in verses 16 and 7. He says, God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart of God. So let me ask you, what, what kind of broken are you today? Are you the falling apart kind? The wheels have come off, you're holding on with your fingertips. Are you wondering if you can make it another month, another week, another day? Or are you the best kind of broken? The kind of broken that leads to repentance and leads to a new heart. This table we are about to come to can be the perfect place for God to begin his process in you. I'm telling you, he can begin it today. He can begin it today. Let's pray together. Father, we got a room full of people and a bunch of folks watching online who are from all sorts of different places in their lives. Some of them are doing so good and some of us are falling apart in great need of a new heart, in great need of a recreation process in our lives, in great need of you to restore the joy of your salvation in our lives. And hey, Father, sometimes we're just so overwhelmed we don't even know where to begin. Well, Father, the way to begin is to begin with you, to plead for your mercy and your compassion, to maybe for the first time really confess what we've done and repent of it, not just to confess it, but to turn our backs on it and then to partner with you in this creation of a new heart. Father, I pray that you might do that in our lives today, especially as we come to this table and are reminded of your sacrifice because you love us with this perfect love we can't begin to understand. Father, we love you. We need you. Create in us a new heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Lopez, musical worship director at Hope were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit the Hope Church Memphis YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.